Thank you for joining us here at BLC. Our purpose is helping people discover and develop a life in Christ. Now here is Pastor Gary Tony. Man, it's good to see you guys today. I want to dig right into things. I, uh, I know last week when I started this new talk, Heaven, uh, I really didn't even get into half of my research that I'd found on it. So I'm going to try to stay a little more disciplined and focused today if you help me with that. Amen. Let's start in Colossians chapter 3. Paul is writing, and this is the new living, and I love the wording here, and he's giving us some, not just insight into the world that you and I have been born into, but some revelation on how we can walk in this at another level. Listen carefully. Since you have been raised, have been, here's the thing. When you give your life to Jesus, I I know so often we struggle processing spiritual realities because we're such carnal people. And I'm not necessarily referring to the negativity and doing something wrong. Listen, we're just carnal. Huh? You ever went back for seconds? You know you didn't need it. You wanted it, didn't you? They they bring, you tell them, can you bring some more bread? Yeah. That's being led by our human side of things. You ever get uh, mad at people? That's carnal stuff. See, the people of God, we we are taught to walk a different way. So Paul says, since you have been raised to a new life, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Well, what's he saying? Guys, it is our responsibility to help you to help all of us to be more heavenly minded. I made this statement last week. Some of you probably heard this. I heard a pastor say it years ago. They're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I don't agree with that. I think the more heavenly, how many of y'all would think Jesus was heavenly minded? More than anyone on the planet. I think the more heavenly minded we are, we're going to be more earthly good. When we can have casual, confident conversations about heaven in the break room, around the dinner table, huh? Because there are some interesting things going on in this world that you and I can't see that we've been guaranteed that we have been raised to. We have this new life now, not a religious life, not a denominational life. Are you ready for this? Not a church going life. Listen, I can tell you now, should you go to church? Absolutely, you should go to church. The Bible, Jesus makes it very clear. If you follow his ministry, the Bible says, as his custom was, he went to church. So go to church. But coming up in here doesn't make you a Christian any more than me sitting in my garage makes me a Harley. It doesn't. I've seen a lot of folk warm a chair half their life. And then they all of a sudden get some revelation and like, man, I've never heard that before. You should always be saying that statement at some point in your journey. Man, I've never seen that before. I've never heard that before. Can I give you a perfect example of how it happened to me yesterday? I'm reading the word. Because I had someone ask me one time, because you remember if you'll, can I, this is my first side road. Okay. (laughs) But you guys remember when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he came to Jesus privately asking him about the kingdom of heaven. 
Remember, we talked about this last week. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. I told you last week over 100 times. I went back. It's over 150 times that Jesus read letters, talks about the kingdom of heaven. And he's talking to Nicodemus about it. And he tells he tells the Pharisee, he says, uh, you got to be born. And he uses this phrase. It's not necessarily above. It's more than heaven is more than just above. But that is a term that. In the, in the time of the writings, and at, at that time, they didn't have an, any technology to know what heaven was other than above. Yeah? And he says, you got to be born from heaven. you got to be born again. And I had someone ask me, well, what happened to Nicodemus? You ever wondered about what happened? Because if you follow him, you don't see anything else. About, at least I hadn't seen anything else about him until yesterday. And I've read the Gospel of John hundreds of times. And the Bible says that when, uh, who was the one, Amanda, who was the one that had the, the tomb that they buried Jesus in? What was his name? Somebody. Joseph of Arimathea. Thank you. Good job, Bible scholars. Well, the Bible says that, that Nicodemus, now the Bible, it, it says when you go read the passage that Joseph of Arimathea was one of Jesus' disciples secretly. And it says that Nicodemus came and helped him with the burial of Jesus. Boom. If, if Joseph was a disciple and, and Nicodemus is helping, I, I'm like, the Lord just kind of gave me some peace. Nicodemus made it in. Anyway, that's one of those, oh, I've never seen that moment. You should always be having those in your journey of faith because the word of God is living spiritual reality. You should always have those wow moments. That's right, those aha moments. And he's telling Nicodemus, you got to be born again. See, for those of us that are born again, let me have that scripture back, Paula. There you go. Since you have been raised, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then he says this, think about the things of heaven. Think about them. Well, we got to know about them to think about them, right? And that's why we're having this conversation because like I told you all last week, one of the things I have discovered is that preachers don't talk about heaven. We want to teach topical lessons on how you could be a better Christian. Those are all true things. But I think the world would love to hear about heaven. Yes. I think your family members and coworkers, they would love to hear about heaven. Because heaven is a real place. It's not just some spiritual utopia idea of some days. No. My mom lives in heaven today. I know some of you have family members that live in heaven. Of course, you all know me. I'm a mama's boy, so we were talking. We just did Mother's Day. I mean, we, it was years. I couldn't even talk about mother. I couldn't even get up here and preach without bawling. But the Holy Spirit has helped me with that because my mom has a wonderful life now. If you have a loved one in heaven, they're not coming back if you beg. They're like, baby, I love you, but mm, no. <laughs> you just suck it up. You'll be here soon enough. I know it's not fun, right? When we lose someone, it's never easy. There is no right way to handle that. You just got to walk through those challenging times with people you love and care about and hold their hand and cry with them and laugh with them. Amen? Amen. But when we have some things about heaven that are more real, it makes that journey easier for people. Our ultimate destination obviously is heaven, and our top priority, like we said last week, is to make sure that as many people as possible Make it. I was reading in the Gospel of John, and then you go down to John chapter 3, the very last verse. The Bible says that uh, if you, 
believe in Jesus, that he rose from the dead, you live forever. And then he says this, but for those that don't believe in Jesus, it'll be okay with you too. It doesn't say that, does it? But a lot of people think that stuff. They think they can get to heaven any way they want to. We talked about this last week. If you believe the Bible, and if you're a Christian, you can only be a Christian by believing the Bible. Because the Bible sums it up perfectly that Jesus is the only way. There is only one way to heaven. And our job is to make sure that we share heaven with as many people as possible. Not, not Victory Life Church. Now, God has given us a hub to work out of. We should support our church. And, and, you know, and I tell people this all the time. If you can't be a part of this and support this, then find one that you can. It's okay. This, this stuff, this, guys, this, this little window of time is way too short to play church games. We need to be about the master's work. And, and, and that doesn't mean, now, yeah, you use the, the name on the building to invite somebody here. But our ultimate goal is to talk about heaven and Jesus and get people to understand that reality, right? We said this last week, for the Christian, this present life that you and I have, for those of you that are born again, y'all understand that term, right? When I say Christian, I mean you believe Jesus came, he died, he rose from the dead, and he lives in heaven. You believe that, and you confess that. That means you're born again. That's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus, you got to be born again. If you believe that, then you're born again. And for the Christian, this present life is the closest thing we will ever get to hell. This is the shortest thing we'll ever do. It's the most challenging, difficult thing we'll ever do. And just like that, you're going to blink and it's going to be over. Yeah, I can't, you know, I can't wait, really. Now, I, I'm, I'm not trying to rush things. I have an assignment. But if I wound up there tomorrow, I wouldn't be mad. Now, see, some of you don't have that revelation, like, oh, not yet. I haven't really lived. You, you're right. None of us have really lived because we don't know what really living is yet. Huh? But we also said this, the unfortunate reality for those that aren't believers, those that aren't born again, this is the closest thing to heaven they're ever going to get to. Because what this world here and now is was made from that one in the image of that one. It's just fallen. But there are beautiful things here, wonderful things in this world. So the more we look into the realities of heaven, the more convinced I am that now more than ever, we need to be able to have these conversations. And, and I, like I said last week, these conversations, they need to be fueled by a little Holy Spirit-inspired imagination. You need to think big. When you think about heaven, you need to sit down and ask the Holy Spirit, help me see something with this. Stretch, stretch my imagination. You think you're going to offend God by imagining something really wonderful and out there? Huh? You really can't. God, now, I want you to think about this this morning because God created heaven, right? I know there are different theories about stuff out there. Not for you. There's one thing. It's the book. We have to go to the book. That's our source. Remember last week, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? So that the man or woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for those good works that you've been called to do. So we need to know about it, and we need to be able to talk about those things and, and allow the Holy Spirit to let our thinking just go, man, when we get there, because you think about this for a second. That's where not only some of our family members, that's where Jesus lives now. 
And we'll touch on this hopefully if I have time this morning. But Jesus lives in heaven. Now I know some of you think, yeah, but where is that? Stop thinking with your intelligence. It's not going to register. It's in a different dimension. It's not three-dimensional. That's all you can do with your intellect is go three-dimensional. Well, how does it work? Stop. It is by faith that you do these things, that you see these things, that you comprehend these things. Heaven is a real place. The Bible, I just read that Jesus is seated. It didn't say that he was floating around somewhere on a cloud. He's seated by the Father. That means if if you're seated, you got to have something to be seated on. It's a place. Much like this, except perfect. Yeah? And Jesus lives in heaven right now in his earthly body. Is that weird? I mean, that's kind of, because he, he's already come back and got his. Remember, you remember Jesus rose from, y'all with me, right? Okay. Yeah. So when you look at this, And you understand, Acts 1 helps us to see this a little bit better. If you go look at Acts 1, Jesus is giving some final instructions to his disciples before he leaves. And the Bible says that Jesus was taken up, the man, not not a spirit, Jesus the man in his body, taken up in the clouds to heaven. And there's some angels standing around, and the angels talk to the disciples and say, hey guys, Why are you standing here looking up into the sky? This same, say same. Same. This same Jesus that you see leaving is going to come back in the same way. Same one, same way. Well, how, what was that? He went up in the clouds. He's coming back in the clouds. We we definitely won't be able to get to that much today, but I will talk about Jesus coming in the clouds because Jesus is, y'all understand he is coming back. See, we need, we need to remind people he is coming back. The clock is ticking. Yeah. And this is the thing. Remember we made this quote from D.L. Moody last week? He said, soon you're going to read in the papers that I'm dead. He said, don't you believe it for a second. He said, I'll, I'll be more alive than ever before. Because once you put down this humanity... Then you really begin to experience that next chapter. The Apostle Paul, he really kind of gives us some insight in some of this stuff. Let's start. Now, I'm going to get teachy for just a second, so y'all stay with me, okay? But in 2 Corinthians 5, listen to this. Let's take our time with this. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, y'all know what he's talking about? Our body. We know when this body is taken down, when we die and leave the earth, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. Now, let's stop for this for a second. Now, don't think natural physical because your natural physical body, if you leave the planet, like we talked about last week, your spirit will come out of your physical body and your body will be bloom. But you... Don't you are still you, and in that moment, bam, you're in the presence of God, and you put on your heavenly body. Your earthly body is confined to this atmosphere, this atmosphere, the molecular structure of how humanity is made. You made from the dirt, you go your body back to the dirt, yeah. But you, your, your spirit is you. This is, this is the thing that the church struggles with, with religion. 
You're not religious. You are an eternal being. You live forever. Well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't use the word live. If you don't know Jesus, you exist forever, but you don't li- there's no living. You're in torture and torment. But Paul lets us know that if we lay this body down, God gives us a heavenly body. Because you're not just some gassy Casper the Friendly Ghost thing floating around in the clouds, you know, playing a harp. Ding, ding. Parker, my harp's out of tune. Can you help me? Ding, ding, ding. No. All you have to do is look at this world. Everything going on in this, now not the corruption and all the mess. This world was made from that one. It's just fallen. That will soon come to an end and the church will rule the planet. You got that? You and I, according to the book of Revelation, we will rule this planet with Jesus. I need you to wrap your head around that because so many people just think this is some wonderful, weird kind of, I don't know how to explain it, heavenly, no. Real you, real me, real us in a real place called heaven. Verse 2, Paul says, we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies. Like new clothing, you're going to put on your heavenly body. Well, what's it look like? It looks like you. I'm going to show you in a minute. I know some of you, you're getting ahead of me. Just calm down. Verse 3, for we will put on heavenly bodies and we will not be spirits without bodies. You're not just going to be. He's breaking it down very simple for you here. Verse 4, while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. But it's not that we want to die. Nobody wants to die. We just want to get rid of these old broken bodies, right? He said, rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies can be swallowed up by life. Verse 5, God himself prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he gave us his Holy Spirit. So we are always, say always. We are always confident, even though we know that as long as we're in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. But we're confident because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And then in verse seven, or verse 7 of this passage, I've always struggled with the wording here because Paul, if you follow the Apostle Paul, Paul always uses the word therefore, 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 therefore. But for some reason, the translators didn't put therefore here, they just put for. But it doesn't read as good. When you say, for we live by faith, it it is a true statement. But really, if you read it in context with with the first six verses of what all Paul is talking about, then you say, therefore, since we long to be clothed with these heavenly bodies, until then, we live by believing, not by seeing. See, there is this element of faith that there's no way you're going to experience this world of heaven without. It doesn't even make sense. The world chokes on this kind of stuff. What you mean born again? What you talking about? Kind of like Nicodemus, what is, do I go back and become an, a human again? No. You're a new creation because as, as we went in detail last week, there is not a human on the planet that doesn't have a spirit. There is no life without the spirit. You got that? Paul goes on to teach this as he moves through this passage In chapter 15 of Corinthians, as he's teaching, he he, he gives us a little bit more insight into this. And he says that um, we will not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Huh? 
See, there's a group of us that's just going to change and put on immortality. You're going, what is that going to be like? This is why in 1 Thessalonians, man, I, I don't have time to get into that. Boy, there's so much here. But in 1 Thessalonians, Paul says this. He says, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. Now, he, you, Paul uses the term fall asleep on purpose. He doesn't use the word die for a reason because no, no Christian dies. They're bought, now, now, I'm not talking some heavenly sleep state, none of that weird science junk, no. I'm talking about he's using this term to help believers understand, even though their body's in the ground, they, the, minute they're, the minute they left their body, you all remember me telling you stories that Jack had shared with me about my mom. My mom was talking about the other side and she's still here. Well, after she saw that, well, it was, uh, it was done. She wasn't staying any longer. I believe that God helps us in the transition so that there is no pain or suffering because we are his kids. It may look like it in that body. My mom, I was there with her. It didn't look pleasant. And I leaned over and told her, whew. I said, Mom, because she, she was waiting till we all left the room. That's how, well, that's how moms are. So I leaned over. I said, Mom, I know she, her body wasn't functioning, but she could hear me. I said, we love you. It's okay. You can go. So I get up, and I walk around to where she can't see me. And just like that, she was in heaven. See, we hold on so tight to this stuff, man. But God wants us thinking, not that we don't want to run our race and fight the fight that we've got. We do. But Paul lets us know, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about those that have fallen asleep. And I don't want you to grieve like the rest of people that don't have any hope. See, people that don't know Jesus, they don't have any hope. This is it for them. This is why people struggle and suffer so bad, because this is all that they know. But this isn't all that they know. This, this is just the beginning for us. When the born again leave their body, instantly their spirits in heaven. And according to the Apostle Paul's writings, we're clothed with this. I mean, I just wonder what that's going to be like, man. We got this heavenly heaven suit. I used to tell teenagers when I worked with youth, your body is just your earth suit to function on this planet. You take a scuba diver, they have a scuba suit to function underwater. You take an astronaut, they got a space suit to function in space. You take a born-again Christian, they got a, 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 a heaven suit to function in heaven. Huh? Well, what's that look like? It looks like you. Just glorified. Like, man, I don't, you know, remember I've told y'all before about my, my, my hairstyles I'm going to have in heaven. Yeah, I'm going to keep my sister-in-law busy. She's never done my hair, but she's going to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, we have to understand that there is some wonderful things to look forward to. It's not, it shouldn't be scary. It shouldn't be fearful. This is why he told us not to grieve like other people, because it's just the beginning for us. Here's the thing. You know, when we go to heaven, you know, the heaven that we kind of think about, the heaven that we look to the scriptures, that's not all that there is to what God refers to in he of, he of heaven. In one sense, heaven is this all-encompassing reality. But as you kind of dig into it a little bit, with a little bit closer look into the scriptures, we see some glimpses of what heaven really looks like. 
And I believe it's by design that, that God lets us only see pictures of this. Because it would really be too difficult if we got too much of it. It would be hard to stay here. They'd be Christians wanting to leave and do things the wrong way when you begin to see so much of this reality. But when I begin to look into it, there are phrases like Abraham's bosom, paradise, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, the actual word heaven. Paul uses this term, the third heaven. Have you heard that one? Let's look at it for a second. This is Paul in 2 Corinthians. He's given the church a little bit more insight because here's the thing. When we try to process some of this stuff intellectually, it doesn't fit. Like, how does that work? Well, you have to think multidimensional, first of all. What is that? Well, it's not of this world. Now, if you can't believe not of this world, then, then your faith needs some help because it will, it will be different. We are not of this world. Y'all understand that, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, listen to Paul's words. He, he, and he starts out with this. He says, this boasting will do no good. He really doesn't want to talk about it, basically is what he's saying. But I must go on and I will reluctantly tell you about the visions and the revelations from the Lord. God showed the man some stuff. Now, now check this out. Verse 2, he says, I was caught up to the third heaven. What's that mean? First of all, there's a first and a second. What's that look like? I don't know what that looks like. None of us know what it looks like. Some theologians and scholars conclude that the first heaven is our atmosphere that we see. Okay, that, that is a theory. There's no scripture to support that. But it makes sense, thinking logically, well, that's because we call that heaven. But that is still not all that we can summarize to be heaven, is just the sky. All right? What about past our atmosphere? Huh? So you got people out there right now with goofy ideas about flat earth stuff. I mean, what is wrong with you? And here's the, here's, the, here's the bigger picture. So what? What if it is flat? Big whoop. Once you, you understand? But that's, you got people with crazy stuff out there that they think. What's out past what you can see? What's it there for? What's the other planets there for? Hmm, I don't know, preacher. Well, it was an accident. God made those by mistake. No, I submit to you. That's right, Steve. So I submit to you that earth was the seed of all of it, and it fell through sin, and it stopped it. The universe was created, but the occupation of God's creation was stopped at the curse because sin came in, and death entered. And it all shut down right here. But it's going to be restored. We get a new one. I've read the end of the book. <laughs> but watch this. Paul says, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. And then he makes this statement. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. What's that mean? Did he physically go to the third heaven? Maybe. Well, we know for sure Jesus is there now in a body. 
So it's not out of the question that it can happen because all things are possible with God. Paul says, whether I was in it or out of it, I don't know. Why would he say something like that? Because I promise you, while he was there, he was walking and touching things and seeing things and feeling things. Real stuff. A real world. You got that? Verse 3. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or out of my body. But I do know this, that I was, now watch the wording here, I was caught up to paradise. Now he started out referring to it as the third heaven, and now he calls it paradise. See, what I want us to understand today, these are the same place. He said, and I heard things so astounding that I can't even express it with words. Things a human not even allowed to talk about. Wow. Paul went to paradise, the third heaven. In Luke chapter 20, 23, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, he turns to the guy on the cross. And he says, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Paradise is a real place. He told that guy he's going to be, Jesus was going to paradise that day. Huh? It's like he was checking in at the hotel paradise. And <laughs> you go and you go with me, brother. The religious world said, yeah, but he wasn't baptized. He doesn't get to go. I guess Jesus missed it on that one, right? <laughs> he showed him a special privilege that day. Stop. That's that, that religious stuff, man. It's interesting. When you look at this word paradise, I dug into it a little bit. In the Greek, there are several times that they use this word paradise for the Garden of Eden. I got to thinking about the Garden of Eden because in the beginning, it was made just like there. And I know I point up because we think up, but it's not just up. It's everywhere. It is this all-encompassing world that we're part of. So here's my thought today. This, this, is, this could just be me, but what if, just think with me for a second. Use some of that Holy Spirit imagination. What if Eden wasn't destroyed, but mankind's ability to see it was no longer possible because it's in a different dimension? I know, right? I mean, you, you remember the whole flood deal? Some things changed, right? When you think about the flood, the Bible says that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man comes back. A lot of people think, well, what was it like in the days of Noah? It was evil. That's why God wiped everybody out, because it was all evil. Now, listen, I say that with balance and caution, because there's always evil but the church is strong. Don't let today's media fool you. They lie. Y'all do understand. If you're still watching the news, you got to check that. Amen. Like I see what's going on. You're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's called brainwashing for a reason. <laughs> what's going on. They're telling you what's going on. They're writing your script. You better be scared if they're your source. See, think about this. Just like God created us, according to Genesis, in his image, he created earth in the image and likeness of heaven. Just like we are born again, one and the same with him, his spirit lives in us. According to the Apostle Paul, I am in Christ and Christ is in me. So is this new world that we're born into part of this world we have now. I know, there's some, I know there's some evil and some corruption and some bad things are happening in this cursed world. I know that bad things happen on this planet. 
I have people all the time as a pastor ask me, why? Why? Guys, the, the why, that's not the real thing. There is, no, there is no understanding darkness. It's evil. The enemy does, John, Jesus in the Gospel of John makes it very clear, the enemy has one mission, to seek, to kill, to steal, to destroy every one of us. That's his whole purpose, that he will do anything possible. You and I have to understand that and be willing to trust God in, in tough times. My mom shouldn't have went to heaven at 60. She should, have, she should have still been here right now listening to me preach, watching her grandkids run around. Huh? But the enemy, sometimes he, he gets a foot in the door and, and, and wreaks havoc. I wish it wasn't that way, but it's that way. Our job is to make as many people aware as possible that this world and everything that you and I know about it, man, it's, it's a God-made place that is wonderful. Listen to these words out of the book of Hebrews. Now, God is talking about a, the role of a priest on the planet in the book of Hebrews. And he says this, I love the message paraphrase in Hebrews 8, 5. These priests provide only a hint. Talking about priests that are in the world at that time, real priests. on the You know, doing sacrifice, temple worship, that type of thing. He says these priests provide only a hint of what goes on in the true sanctuary in heaven, which Moses caught a glimpse of as he was about to set up the tent. What, what tent's he talking about? The, the tabernacle in the wilderness, the tent where the, the Ark of the Covenant, where God's presence was. Y'all know that, right? It was then that God told Moses, he said this, so not only did Paul get to see some things in heaven, so did Moses. He said, you be careful to do exactly as you saw on the mountain. He showed him the real one in heaven. He said, you make it like this. How else do you think he got all that stuff? And then when it comes time to build all that stuff, God said this. He said, Moses, you go pick people. And he said, the same spirit that I got on you, I'm going to put on them. See, it's not just the preacher's job. It's the body's job. Y'all got that? Maybe instead of looking at heaven, so if we, this might help somebody, instead of looking in heaven and earth as these two different places, maybe we should look at them like this, that they're these overlapping worlds in this multidimensional kingdom that God made. And right now, earth is just in a fallen state because of Adam's rebellion. But soon that's going to change. Paul's mindset is completely different about heaven. He says stuff like this, guys, for me to live is Christ. What's that mean? For me to stay here, it's for the anointed one to keep advancing. He says, but I desire to depart. <laughs> he said, I really want to go on. I want to go. I love y'all, but I want to go. He said, it's far better. Let me show you a picture. You've heard me talk about this many times. Y'all doing okay? I know this is getting a little, you know, like, preacher, how's this help me today? The first thing it does when it helps, you know what it does for me? It gives me this wonderful peace of mind. And then it gives me this expectation of a world that I can't wait to see. Now, while I'm here, I got to be about the master's work, but I'm like Paul. Let's bring it home, man. I got some friends, they can't wait for the rapture. Not yet. All right? 
The rapture will come soon enough. I know some of y'all don't believe in the rapture. Okay, stay. <laughs> it's real. I'm not going to argue with you. It is, I could, I don't have time to get into this today, but I can tell you, I've got, I've got pastor friends, man, they, and, and listen, I've taught the Bible for years. Can I teach? There's pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. Yay. I could preach all of them from the scriptures. I could find them all. But there's only one that I can support from cover to cover. You got to be able to support it from cover. You can't just pull a couple things out to give me some, you know, denominational idea. And I say this, if you don't want to believe in the rapture and you don't want to participate in it, who wouldn't want that? I want that, man. (laughs) I mean, who wouldn't? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, bam, you're going to be changed. In Thessalonians, Paul breaks it down. He says, the dead in Christ will rise first. What does that mean? My mom is coming back in her heavenly body, and she's going to get her earthly body. New body. Huh? Some people say, well, we get to see that. No, it's going to happen in the twinkle of an eye. Scientists say that a twinkle is faster than a blink. So just blink. That's how quick it'll be like, whoa. How's that work? Have you been reading any of this? What do you mean, how's it work? (laughs) You're not qualified for how's it work. You're just like, yes, Lord, thank you. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. All right, I hear the music. I got to wrap this up. That was my cue. BJ's not here today, so Paula said, I'm going to start it. So you, all right, all right. Y'all okay? Can we go through Luke chapter 16? I just need to show you this real quick. This story, you've heard me talk about it many times, but in Luke 16, this is the story of a beggar that's named Lazarus and a rich man. Verse 22, let's pick up here. And so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. What's Abraham's bosom? Paradise. What's paradise? Heaven. There you go. He was carried to heaven. The rich man also died. He wasn't carried anywhere. He just got buried. What's that let you know? He didn't make the cut. (laughs) We want him to make the cut though, right? Verse 23. And being in torments, plural, in Hades. Now, I don't know why some of the translations use this word Hades. This word Hades is from Greek mythology and it means the underworld of darkness. But the more accurate translation is the word hell he went to hell I know that's you know maybe some of them didn't want to use the word hell back in some of these writings but that's the place the underworld is hell the kingdom of darkness right and the rich man in his torments in hell he lifts up his he lifts up his eyes and he sees Abraham now here's my first question as I'm reading this how does he know Abraham because Abraham been there a long time no, he had a name badge on. Said Abraham. No. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're, they're going to know things there. Remember, remember this word. When you go back, torments, plural, torments. He's struggling. He's seeing over there. Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to me. So he sees Lazarus over there. Hey, Billy. (laughs) No, Billy's going to be with me. He's not going to be over there. (laughs) And he says this. Ask Lazarus if he he can dip his... He can dip his what? Finger. He's got fingers. 
Huh? They recognize, they look like them. If he can dip his finger in some water, there's water there. And he can come put it on my tongue. So he's got a tongue. So you see all these body features that are there. He says, because I'm in torment in this flame. He's in hell. And there's flames. I know we don't want to think about this kind of stuff. And Abraham said, son, you remember that in your lifetime, you received the good things. Remember what I said earlier? For the Christian, this time here on the planet will be the closest thing we ever get to hell. But for those that don't know Jesus, it's the closest thing they'll ever get to heaven. He says, remember in your lifetime, you had all the good stuff and Lazarus had to put up with the mess, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides this, between us and you, there is this great gulf that's fixed. So that those who want to pass from here to you cannot. Now, I don't know why anybody would want to do that. Nobody wants to go where he's at. But if you were there and you could see their loved one, like, mm, I don't want that for them. Nor can those pass from there to here. So you can't come over here. But you can see it all happening. Ow. Huh? I think we have to be aware of these things, guys, when we sit down and talk to people. This, this world, it is quickly approaching. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said it like this when he was on the planet. He said, guys, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He told some of them, he said, don't you all understand the kingdom of heaven is within you? It's not just a destination, it's a way of life. It's a system of government. It's what we are to be looking forward to. And that's why he told the dying man on the cross, he said, today you're gonna be with me because you chose to believe who I am. You see, what we call our present heaven, it's not that. You gotta understand there's more to it than that. There's this other dimension that is just as real. And I think it's important for us to be able to get people to, because here's what will happen when you begin to share these stories and use scriptures. And you don't have, you know, guys, I've told you this many times, you don't have to use references to point people. Just tell the story. All the Holy Spirit needs is the seed of the word to go to work. He doesn't need you to give the scriptural reference of where it's at. Well, you didn't quote that correctly from Revelation 12, 13. No, you just say the word, man. There wasn't scriptures and references and verses when this thing was put together. Are you with me? When we begin to think about it and it begins to settle inside our soul that we are these people of God, eternal people, living forever. Let me ask you something. Anybody, anybody, y'all know anybody from the 1800s? Any Christians, any Christians from the 1800s still here? Now, they all, where are they at? They in heaven. Huh? What about 1900s? There's some, there's, some, there's some still here born in the 1900s, right? Yeah. But soon that'll be over too, should the Lord tarry his coming. But if he doesn't, because if you look at the history of things unfolding, we're there. The dispensation of the age of grace is at the threshold. We're there. So you be about the master's work. 
instead of highlighting people's sin all the time and showing them everything they've done wrong and you got turn or burn, all that garbage, tell them about heaven. Tell them about how wonderful it's going to be. I don't think we, Parker, I don't think we comprehend forever. I used to say because the, the song says 10,000 years from now, what about 100,000 years from now? Pastor, I've heard all your sermons, man. You got to stop. 100,000 years from now. I know, you, you just checked out on that. Like, what? 100,000. Y'all do understand eternity, right? Forever. Yeah. This is what's in store for us, the people of God. And so we've got to make sure that we help other people to see this. Painting that cool picture of what it's like for everybody. Showing them the way to this wonderful place that awaits us. Because just like that, we're going to be done here. Yeah? But until we do, what we do? We keep fighting the fight, right? Step one, you got to belong to Jesus. Just like he told Nicodemus, you must be born from above. So if you're here today and you've never taken that step of faith, step one for you, I get it. We may not be your style of church. That's okay. But you're here right now. Maybe you're listening or watching right now. Stop what you're doing because tomorrow's not promised to anybody. That thought that's rolling around in the back of your mind, yes, that is the Spirit of the Lord saying, hey, give me a chance. Take a step of faith. Don't let anybody fool you. Act like they know everything there is to know about the things of God. No, they don't. That's just arrogance, really. That's just puffed up pride. Let's stay humble people. Say, God, I need everything I can from you. I need your help. I need your salvation. I choose to believe it on my good days and my bad days. Because you, I don't know about you all, but have, you ever have days where you don't look as Christian as you do other days? <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, no, Reverend, I got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me know how that works out for you. Step one, give your life to Jesus. We've made it so simple. Believe in your heart, confess it, and you will be saved. But you gotta start. So if you're in the room today, if you're listening or watching, as a church family, we've made it so easy for you. I have people sometimes criticize me about my prayer at the end. It's too, we, we've, we've simplified it too much. Really? I don't think we can, simp I think the world and the church has confused it too much over the years. Make it simple. Huh? And if you want to do something else, we can get at it, man. I want it simple. Jesus made it simple. Believe it, say it. We're going to help you as a family. And if you're in the room and you've never taken a step of faith today, make this prayer a reality in your life and give Jesus a chance. Let's all say it together. Lord Jesus, come into my life and make me new. And from this day forward, Jesus is my Lord. Heaven is my home. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're in the room and you said the prayer, do us a favor. Stop out by our information desk. we got a gift for you. That way we can kind of get you started on your journey of faith. Those of you listening, those of you watching, you got to tell somebody. You just made the greatest decision of humanity and your life is about to, to discover some cool things and you're going to have some peace that passes understanding and some blessing in your life that God will begin to take you on a journey of faith that you will begin to impact other people with. And it all starts with this. Be willing to step out and say, yeah, when the Lord puts it on your heart to share with somebody.
Amen. God bless you all. We love you. Have an awesome week. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to click on the subscribe button. For more information on Victory Life Church, check us out at victorylifeky.com. Thank you so much for listening.